Are you looking to create timeless beauty in your garden? It's always a great idea to add roses. At Heirloom Roses, they know that the best roses start with the best roots, which is why they only hand-propagate own-root roses. These own-root roses will outlive and outshine grafted roses from the big box stores, resulting in stronger disease resistance and a longer lifespan, and stunning blooms that are always true to the variety. Heirloom Roses is located in Oregon, is a family-owned business that grows over 900 varieties of roses for gardening zones 3 through 10. Use their great search tool to narrow down your choice based on zone, fragrance, growth habit, color, and more. Plus, they have a one-year guarantee, so if your rose doesn't thrive in its first year, they will replace it for free. Heirloom Roses is also committed to producing only disease-free plants and genetically test all of their roses to ensure the cleanest plant material possible. You can have peace of mind knowing your newest rose will be healthy and ready to thrive and blossom for years to come. As a special offer for our listeners, Heirloom Roses is offering a 20% discount off all roses using Backyard20 code at checkout now through September 30th, 2023. And since they ship all year round, you can choose the perfect ship date for your garden. It's time to experience growing roses the way nature intended on their own roots. Visit them at heirloomroses.com to find your next rose today and take 20% off with Backyard 20. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. All right, everybody. Today we were talking before the show and Leonard had the great idea of why don't we talk about harvesting and preserving? So um, it is that time of year. It is the reason for the season, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I personally stayed up late last night canning and drying tomatoes, trying drying this year. So we'll see how that goes. I'm staying true to my word. Are you going to do any drying this year, Batavia? Drying mm-hmm. tomatoes? Hmm. Like for sun drying Yeah, tomatoes? but not in the sun, in the dehydrator. That is so wild. What's so wild about it? This weekend, well, no, this week I um I made this recipe. Like, um, it's not exactly ceviche, you know, because the shrimp are cooked, and it called for um, sun dried tomatoes, and I'm like, I started in my mind tasting sun dried tomatoes. I'm like, eh, you know, like I'm not crazy about them when I think back to having them in dishes, but before I got there, I thought to myself like. Do I have any like legit videos where people are actually drying tomatoes, not in the sun? Anyway, yep. it's weird that you bring this up just a day later. Well, that's what I'm doing. We'll see how it works. So um, there are a lot of, I, I guess, what is it? Nuances into harvesting and stuff, especially like between eating fresh and preserving, I would say. So, um, I mean, everybody does the tomato, right? Do you want to cover off on that or should we skip the tomato? Um, just make it brief, okay. I think. So, well, first of all, do you harvest your tomatoes when they're perfectly ripe or how do you do it? Um, I, I typically wait until they get probably color all right. around. Um, if I plan on slicing tomatoes, like, you know, for a salad, I want it to get pretty ripe. Um, if I've had any kind of bug damage or anything like that, you know, I'll take them early. But if I could wait until everything like gets to the ripeness on the vine, I would. That's, oh, gosh, that's no way near short. There's no way this is going to be short. Let's get tomatoes. <laughs> it's too late now. We already cracked that open. <laughs> no, I mean, for me, I do a number of things. I mean, first of all, I'll harvest some green if I want fried green tomatoes, but that says in itself, um, which we eat a fair amount of. But we also do, um, like, for instance, I have a raccoon that's been visiting my garden. So as soon as I'm seeing some decent color, just like you said, like, not totally red, but like, you know, I guess that like yellow, orangish. 
I've been going ahead and pulling them and mm-hmm. just letting them ripe inside because uh, it pisses me off when I come outside and have a nice big half-eaten tomato hanging off my vine. So I've been doing that, but yeah. you know, I kind of go in between the canning. When I'm canning, though, I do prefer to get them as close to ripe off the vine as I can, first and foremost. So I think that's an important distinction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the shelf life of tomatoes can vary quite a bit. So if you're taking them early and then letting them ripen inside versus some other vegetables where, you know, you got to kind of get those things preserve pretty close to your harvest. You know, you could have in some cases, if it's in a cool place, tomatoes for up to a couple yeah. of weeks, even um, especially if they started off, you know, just blushing when you pull them off. Um, one thing to note for me, and I'm, I'm planning on using it, my basement is much cooler even than my main floor. So that's why I plan on storing things that I'm not ready to use yet or not ready to preserve. Um, sometimes I leave things on the vine because I feel like, all right, you got a better chance at not spoiling. Because I've thrown away over the years like, things like tomatoes that have started to get mm-hmm. kind of moldy. You know, you may not see some imperfection where, you know, there's an opportunity for it to start to start to spoil on the counter. Ugh. Yeah, I'm um, I've, I've canned 10 cans of tomatoes so far. And what I'll say, the way I handle the harvesting for those beforehand is, you know, we'll start getting them. And I don't like to do like one can at a time. I like to do minimum three to four cans. Which is, I mean, truth be told, is what I'm doing anyways, is just kind of the minimum. But I'll go and I'll start collecting them. And because we do determinant tomatoes, they come on fast and heavy. So it's like every day we're getting a handful. But when I see them really starting to come on fast, I'll pull them when they're a little bit green, you know, and then let them ripen inside and keep pulling until I get like a big bucket or basket full to where I can go ahead and do what I need to do with them. But I want them all to be ripe when I go to can them. So that's like the important distinction for that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, um, yeah, and just so everybody knows, we're working on a bit of a delay today. So uh, if there's gaps, we'll try and take them out. But if there is a little gap, that's why. Um, cucumbers, that's another big uh, preserver. When do you harvest those? Do you like them early or late or like perfect? I want to harvest them early, but I typically harvest them pretty late. Okay. Not by plan, just by, you know, (laughs) they end up getting away from me. (laughs) And do you can? Cucumbers are probably the crop that I waste the most of in my garden. Really? Um, Yeah. I think um, between what kind of gets away and has gotten, you know, too ripe overripe on the vine and then every year i try to be better but i'll have a basket because you know a lot of times you're 10 12 you know cucumbers off of your plants plural plants at a time and so i'll bring them in i should be break bringing them in and basically getting them preserved then but i don't and so then they start to even ripen more sitting on the counter or in a basket that's the reason why i say I feel like I end up um, throwing away quite a bit of those. Yeah, we do. I mean, it's about the same thing. Um, you know, I've found that if I get them a little bit early, like they don't grow anymore, so they don't get any bigger. But I find that they last a little bit longer. And so I think we actually, it's funny, we talked about it this year. And we're like, yeah, let's not do a whole lot of pickles. So we're going to do like maybe two or three jars. That would be like the max we would go through in a whole year. And um, I like to get them a little bit smaller. So they're a little bit more crisp. They hold up when we're canning and stuff like that. So um, I figured out actually last night is funny because we're about to can some pickles. And I was like, well, let me see how it goes, how it's going to go down. So I saw a pickle or a cucumber that wasn't quite ready to harvest. Like I could, but I wanted to see how big it would get. And overnight it like doubled in size. So I was like, okay, now <laughs> now I've kind of got the situation under control. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've all but decided to only do refrigerator pickles. I bought, so that's the knockoff Clausen recipe. I bought some Clausen pickles. They were so yeah. salty, like over the, you know, the winter coming into spring. 
And so I still have the jar and I'm just like, all right, I'm going to compare once I make mine. This batch that I made last year was a little bit saltier than I like. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I don't experience that again. But I, I don't know. I think I had like six jars, like six uh, quart size jars of pickles, refrigerator pickles. And they lasted through like I ate the last jar like in February or something. Yeah. So I feel like if I can get and they keep I mean, they're in the back of the refrigerator. Um, are they as great as they were, you know, in that first month? Maybe not, but still suitable. Um, I like the crunchier pickle more so, and it's easier for me just to put them in the refrigerator. I still have a couple of jars that I process through water bath canning, and it's just, there are like one or two things that I like that kind of pickle for, yeah. like one or two. <laughs> you know, <so. laughs> That's how we are. We used to can a lot of them, and now it's just kind of like, I don't know, maybe the novelty wore off a little bit, but we don't eat pickles anywhere near <laughs> as much as we used to. So we just kind of decided it was like, yeah. it's time to move on from that. And I mean, you know, we come and go as we need to. It's the, it was an entry into preserving beyond like freezing. Mm-hmm. It was entry into like, you know, canning yeah. for me in particular. And so, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm canning more pickles. And I enjoyed them all things considered. Um, but the way I was doing it, like, the texture just wasn't what I was looking for. And when I came across this um, refrigerator pickle, which we've heard a bunch of like refrigerator pickling, you know, for cucumbers, for jalapenos and so on. But when I realized that first kind of going from fall into winter, how long they lasted in the refrigerator, I'm like, this is the way. And even if I don't get a full year's worth, so to speak, I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know, my wife, I think she ferments them, and then I think we water mm-hmm. bath them, but I'm pretty sure, because you buy Clausen's in the grocery store in the refrigerator section, they may actually be refrigerator pickles mm-hmm. from the factory. I never thought about it that way. Maybe, maybe that's either. the trick. I'll have to oh. look. Maybe there's some internet search I can do. I think I kind of assume that... Well, yeah, I guess that just totally makes sense. Uh, but anywho, um, I, I don't want to I don't want to get in bed with the fermenting of um, the cucumbers when I know that I can get through again six, eight months of refrigerator pickles and I can I've made yeah. the space for it. You know, I have a second refrigerator downstairs. Lord knows if my old refrigerator upstairs, can, my main refrigerator can hold on one more year. You know, I should have the space. um to store like if i can get eight nine jars i'd be sitting pretty yeah it's and we're not doing spears either so you know we're gonna do um like sandwich slices i don't know what you call them sliced pickles we're gonna do those this year i think Mm -hmm. instead of spears um sometimes it's easier to choke down you know what i'm saying (laughs) i feel like you know like when you you remember um we used to have meetings for work and stuff and you know they it'd be a box lunch they bring you know, a sandwich and a pickle on the side. Like, I almost never eat a pickle like that. Like, if you go get somewhere, like if you go to a burger joint or something, they put the pickle. Like, no, I, I want the slices all yeah. the time. Every now and again, I like a whole pickle, you know, but you got to get those small. You got Now, I'll tell you this. If, if, you get, if you serve me a spear, like a pickle spear on the side and I eat it and you see me eat it, you know I'm hungry and you didn't give me enough regular food. That's why I'm eating it. So that's just all there is to it. <laughs> Um, shout out to everybody who does the same thing. Cause I know that I'm not the only one, you know, there's, there's times when you got to do what you got to do. Just like eating that little garnish on the side of the plate. You see me eating the garnish. It means one of two things. Either I'm hungry or the food was really unhealthy and I felt like I needed something clean to put in my body. But, um, yeah, so it's when you go through and we're, we're harvesting with the mindset of, preserving you do want to get peak ripeness but we also just know that like if you get it from the grocery store and a lot of people will learn to can by buying buying stuff from the grocery store that stuff is is green harvested which means it's just harvested way early and ripened up afterwards Mm. so you can do the same thing um now here's the key handling the produce once you get it that's something that I need to work on. 
What do you mean handling? So, for instance, I'll be out in my garden and I'll get lazy and I'll have my basket sitting there and I'll walk to another garden bed and especially with like a tomato and I'll just like toss it in and I'll bruise it up and then I go to take Mm -hmm. the skins off the tomato or something and it's just like this soft, gushy spot and it can, what it can really do is encourage rot, premature rot inside Mm -hmm. of that produce. So, um, you know, just do yourself a favor and then, can peppers be the same way? I don't know. Yeah, if you nick a pepper yeah. or something, I've had like a half a dining room table, like with a um, like a bath towel laid on it, and then the peppers laid out, trying to give them some air. And then I'll come back over the course of the days that I'm, you know, working with them, and everything looks great at first, but then you can look to see, you know, like the brown spot, but you can see where it's been nicked. So it, obviously, pepper skin. Peppers are a little bit mightier <laughs> than tomatoes, um, but now the question I have, and I'm sure everybody else's mind is, eat that thing. You know, just go ahead and eat it. What then. color bath towel are you using to lay your peppers on? Weird question. <laughs> Weird question. Um, the answer is brown. I like it. One of my bathrooms has brown accents, and so as I've refreshed the towels over the years, the old kind of you know, go into the swimming pool towel. Yep, I'm absolutely putting my peppers on, <laughs> on towels that I've gone to the swimming pool with. Um, okay, yeah. now that the weird question's out of the way, we can move on. <laughs> um, do you... do you... Or a burnt orange. That's a really, really old uh, bathroom scheme uh, color palette, and those towels are really, really old. I can't throw that kind old of stuff away. Old or though. like old school or old people? Like old as in how many years I've okay. had it, uh, but still in pretty good condition. I'm talking like a decade or older. I haven't had an orange bathroom in like 15 years or something. But those towels are a heavy My wife duty. keeps telling me that orange is my favorite color and it's not. But, you know, what does she know? I'm an independent man. It's burnt orange, though, just oh, to okay, clarify. Excuse me, burnt orange. Not carrot orange, not orange orange, but burnt orange. Okay. Yeah. Nope. Um, do, do you can your peppers at all other than jalapenos? Well, the story of jalapenos is I'm, I'm, I'm on the I'm giving it up. I'm so mad at myself. I had a, a can of a jar of store bought jalapenos and I left them on the counter. And then I looked and they were kind of gray and I opened up, them up like they were already open. I left them on the counter for like probably a couple of weeks. And when I opened it up, I heard Mm-mm. this. And they basically it started to spoil. I was so it was like three fourths of the way full. So I went in my cabinet. I'm like, this is the last one. I can't. The taste that I want is the taste that is in the store bought canned jalapenos. It's not too vinegary. Maybe there's a hint of sweetness, um, but I can't get there with what I can at home. So I've resigned to the fact of I'm just going to be buying canned jalapenos from the store and i'll use them for other what about bell peppers and stuff i do the only one that somewhat works is i can't think of the way that it's called something but it's like carrots jalapenos onions yeah i could tolerate that too much work for me what about like bell peppers and stuff have you ever tried to can those it's one of my favorites. I have, and I'm in like year two of it, three, maybe year, this would be year three, maybe. Um, and so I've canned them using like um, a, a pickling mm-hmm. solution, which I do want to comment about. Oh my gosh, how many more things can I pickle? Yeah. Um, but my favorite way is like a roasted um, bell pepper. And so I've done that where I've actually frozen the jar or in like a container or whatever, but I've also pressure canned How it. Did, and it's it tricky. Roasted yeah. bell peppers pressure canned? Yes. Does it taste good? Yes. Okay, okay. But you have some siphoning where some of the um, liquid escapes from the jar. Like that's pretty common from what I've come across, what I've done and what I've read. Um, and so all in all, it's I think the rule is if it's above whatever you're canning, I don't want to get too technical with this. It's safe. Or if you've only lost like a fourth of the liquid, yada, yada, yada. Um, 
that's one of those things. It's kind of like spinach. By the time you start canning it, like you're like, oh, I have a hundred peppers, and you look at it, it's like it's three jars. Yeah. How did that happen? You know, because that stuff kind of shrinks down. That's the that's the downside. Uh, so I played around last year in particular with um, pressure canning some jars. Then basically, after they're roasted, instead of pressure canning them, freezing them. Um, the only thing I can say for sure is the size of jars probably need to be smaller. So I was doing like a pint jar. And as much as I want to, I don't remember to go through the entire pint jar. And I think this the shelf life of this product, once it's open, is probably shorter than well, you know they have those. Things. Again, this is only I'm only a couple of years in. I, don't hold me to like they all have of these those things. small. So the way I look at it is like a, a canned bell pepper. Uh, let me phrase it right. A can of roasted bell peppers, because that's what I'm curious and is, is more like a delicacy. Right. And so mm-hmm. they have those. Um, I don't know what size they are. They're like quarter pints or something. They're really super tiny. And some of them are even like rounded shape, which are cool looking. I've thought mm-hmm. about, well, I haven't thought about, I've looked into getting those cans and doing it because I, that's something to me that depresses me. Is you'll, you'll come in and you'll have this basket full of vegetables. And like you said, you walk away with like three cans and you're like, okay, that wasn't really worth the effort. But if you put yeah. it into smaller things and you treat it like that, I think it could work out in my favor. But those, those small cans are outrageously priced. So I have not really jumped in. It's a... It's a more oh, I buying roasted peppers from the store is outrageously priced. It's like a mortgage payment. Um, so one, yeah, they're expensive in the stores. One, two, um, I've water bath canned in like the eight ounce jars. I don't know if it's deemed safe to can in that small of a jar with pressure canning. So the roasted peppers, it's recommended that you pressure can those, not right. water bath those. Right. You know, because you're taking all the liquid and you know, all of the, um, the oils from the peppers and all of that. You can actually pour water on top instead, too, if you want. Um, or maybe in addition to. But anywho, um, I haven't I haven't crossed the bridge on how I'm going to do that this year. Ideally, I'm going to start with making my pepper tomato sauce. And then with what I have left, I'll decide how I'm going to can it. Um, the, the consistency of a roasted sweet pepper it stays intact more so when you pressure can it versus when you freeze it there is more water content when you freeze it and just a reference like think about if you ever if you're like a beef eater italian beef you know like they put um sweet peppers on it and most times they're green it's a big thing in chicago i'm sure in a bunch of other places so that's the thing i'm going after i have no idea what you're talking about but okay Okay, I'll send you a picture. I do roasted red peppers for things like mm-hmm. pasta. I put them in salads. Um, I love right. them. But to be quite frank, I don't have the discipline to remember I opened yeah. the jar. And it's like, oh, you ate off of it twice. And it's like a week later, you're like, oh, yeah. that looks kind of funky. You know, maybe not a week later, more like a month later. <laughs> like It's in the back of the refrigerator. Well, you know that and goes. speaking of looking funky, we do need to spend a decent amount of time talking about um, canning safety and stuff like that. I feel like mm-hmm. um, because we so we have some cans. We, we did some canning last year. We had some tomatoes we canned and one of the cans. I'm trying to think of what happened. Um, the top didn't seal. No, the top did seal, but when we opened it, there was mold inside. So there was obviously like a leak or Mm -hmm. something. And so we wrote on the top of the rest of the cans from that batch, like check before use. Right. But Mm -hmm. the thing is in, I can ever stress this enough. And I feel like every year we need to say this because we do get new listeners all the time. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, you, sorry, (laughs) night <laughs> did you stutter on that one um no i stumbled across yeah I, i'm pretty clumsy if you haven't so botulism is a real thing and you cannot tell by the look or the smell if you have it so some things will get darker in the can and when you when you're canning these things we you can read about it it'll say like hey if it gets darker it's okay this that or the other but i would definitely mm-hmm. use visual cues as like a point to be cautious 
but always mm-hmm. check and make sure that things are sealed all the way by all means. And it was like last night I told, um, I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to can some tomatoes tonight. And she's like, all right. And I was like, I don't, you know, you don't have to help me or anything. I'll just do it. And so I spent the time as everything was getting ready. I was like cleaning the kitchen and boy, I, I mean, I got some serious brownie points for that. But, and I mean, I told her, I was like, I'm not cleaning it for you. I'm cleaning it so I don't kill us. Cause you've got to have like a clean, <laughs> sterilized space. And when I say okay. sterilized, I mean, you don't have to get out there and like steam clean stuff, but you definitely, you know, bust out the Clorox wipe or something and wipe down the counter and just try and keep it generally clean. You know, I know. And the reason why I say this on here and I have no problem saying this because I know everybody listening to this show right now at this time of year's cabinets are probably have some kind of produce that's been sitting up there. We have it all laid out. It's hard to manage. And invariably, what's going to happen is you're going to have something that maybe you, you put in a dish or something that's gone bad. I mean, have you experienced that, Batavia? Yeah, I um, I was in the cabinet looking for the other jar of jalapenos. I'm like, what is that smell? And I'm just like, I don't know what it is, but it's terrible. It was actually a store-bought bag mm-hmm. of potatoes, and there was only one potato that was rotten in there and so i ended up having to take but you know potatoes are the worst i love Man, when them, they go bad but they're the worst Oof. once they go bad uh i basically had to wash like all of the other potatoes because the and i know this is nasty you know trigger warning the liquid from the rotten potato had gotten on these other potatoes so even when i tossed that bad potato it still had that stench um so I, i'm gonna go a step before young ben and this is a thing that keeps it straight in my head and it helps me not feel so overwhelmed if you're new to preserving or if you're new to the volume that you're preserving you know for me i'm not one that's in the kitchen cooking every single day you know so i think it's probably easier for people that are commonly in the kitchen like you basically can adapt your systems i had to create systems that help me keep straight what i'm bringing in and um from the from the garden you know, kind of what I'm eating fresh, like feeling like I have enough to can. And Ben is great about small batch canning, like all of that. Like, you know, how do I keep track? How old are, or is this group of tomatoes? Yeah. Has this been, were these harvested like three days ago or 10 days ago? Right. So I say all of that to say, gosh, this is where a system is your friend. And a part of that system, you know, I'm probably in, in month six of this, but is to make sure that for me, my general first level of my house is clean right you know so and i'm talking about like you know not sweeping things under the you know the couch or anything but that i have some order throughout that floor so i can keep track of what i'm now i'm bringing stuff into the house every day at this point you know and so so it's really really important to me because and i'm stressing this because i've tried to preserve not under those guidelines and there is more waste, you know, <laughs> there is more mess, waste as in, you know, throwing away things, mess as in like just mess around. And that's just not safe to Ben's point Yeah, it, when it comes to being and sanitary. It, it's like, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm just right now, I'm just talking about countertops, you know, any tool that mm-hmm. you use, anything like that, wash it, get it taken care of, you know, especially last night because I was canning tomatoes, you know, you've got to blanch them and then peel them. So it was like I had to clean the sink out completely, but you you, you need to have everything available so you're not fumbling around. Um, You know, I've done canning before, like the sinks full of dishes and it's just like it's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you don't want that dirty water splashed around because believe it or not, like once you get your can sterilized, which we'll go over in a second, one drop of dirty dishwater will spoil that whole can. You know, or if you had some kind of big batch of something going, like if you're making jelly or something, jam, whatever, you could spoil that whole batch. And you that's not something you want to yeah. do. And the thing is, is like botulism and, you know, food poisoning and stuff. You, like, like I said, you can't see it. So you don't know. So it's like just take the time and make sure the counters are wiped down and the sinks empty and you have your workspaces all set up and everything else, because that's what's it's going to help you be more efficient 
And what it'll end up doing is it'll it'll make it a much more pleasant process. And if you're like me, you get some brownie points, so it works out pretty well. Which uh, you know, I hate cleaning the kitchen too. It's like the worst job on the planet, but it kind of helps out. And a lot of the people listening to this show probably, I would assume, are cooking most of their meals and stuff like that. We're not eating out as much as some people because you got to consume the stuff that you're growing. So there's added mess into it yeah. all. Yeah, I um, I I have a small kitchen, all things considered. Um, and my dream is to have like a clear countertop. And I've I've had clear countertops for a long time, and then not like I'm still rebounding from the pandemic years. <laughs> but this weekend, I started with the whole like my air fryer. I keep out in the corner on the counter, and I put it back in the cabinet and I say, you know, I'm going to be using it less as I look forward to like the way I'll be cooking, but also I'll pull it down. Like I generally have a rule of thumb where dishes can be in the sink, but if I'm cooking, I clean the kitchen and clean, you know, the dishes. Like I don't cook with dirty dishes in the sink. That's just, again, it's a rule of thumb for me. There are dirty dishes right now in the sink, but I ain't cooking. So that's the reason why. Um, But I think it feeds into like, these habits even if it's just for this period lead to making it easier i can see where that tool that debubbler tool is because i don't have to move around the bananas and the bread that's on the counter right now right you know so all of those things matter and i think that generally it'll make the experience less stressful you know there's less of a stress and a strain around you know is this food going to be okay and then obviously it feeds into safety as young ben yeah, I mean, it's, it's super important. And the same with your produce. I mean, before you get into it, like last night I was going mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. And so I actually I got pretty lucky. My wife, um, she took a lot of the tomatoes and we have these little baskets and she was putting them in the refrigerator. And what I learned was one basket's about one and a quarter jars. So I can pull them out and I know. But as I was going through the the tomatoes, I make sure to go through and look for anything with blemishes, anything with insect damage, anything that shows signs of like age, like excessive age and rotting. And I just, you have to call them out as bad as it sucks. Cause I mean, I, last year was real bad. I had a stink bug problem and um, I mean, they were just all of my tomatoes had damage. And so as I went through them, I was calling them. And I mean, I thought I had about eight cans to do and it turned out I only had two when I got down to it, cause that was the produce that was like good enough to can. So, you know, moving forward, I knew, you know, that kind of helped me as well to kind of stay on top of my pest management at the same time. So I don't have that issue again, cause that's not something I want to deal with. You know, that's, that was a depressing moment. So I was happy to say yesterday, I only had to call out two tomatoes because of any kind of like insect damage. And I don't even think it was insect damage. It was just damage to the tomato itself. Thing. Um, yeah, here with a whole sermon. It, all of those things matter. I also believe, though, it's counter to what we were saying earlier. The sooner you get to the stuff, the yeah. better off you'll be. You know, so if you could cut down um, the time that you kind of let things sit, I think the better off you're going to be, the less waste. Um, I, I fight this every single year. Uh, I fight this when I'm just grocery shopping. Like, you know, my great aunt told me years ago, you know, you probably buy too much food. It wasn't a loving kind of, you know, elder kind of way where they Mm -hmm. say what they want to say. And that voice, excuse me, that statement in her voice sticks with me because she's she was right. You know, like it's, you know, it's like, oh, I bought a loaf of a half a loaf of bread. And I get home. I'm like, oh, shoot, there's already half a loaf of bread. And I live by a grocery store list. But that's beside the point. Um, it's important to me that I kind of manage the waste. I'm going to waste stuff. It's going to happen. Things are going to go bad. It's going to happen. But this is the time where I need to be on. Like I'm making a concerted effort to do the best that I can. And when stuff goes bad, I don't beat myself up. You know, but I do know that I'm absolutely capable of it if I don't stay on top yeah. of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, and it's super important to, to kind of stay on top of it all the time. And I mean, you know, you get a canner and it's really big and, you know, the goal is obviously to have that thing just jam, jelly jam pack full 
of cans. But like I said, and Batavia alluded to earlier, like I would suggest that people kind of get comfortable with the idea of like small batch canning, you know, doing three cans at a time or something like three jars at a time, whatever, however you want to refer to it. But um, that'll help you stay on top of it. it. It is more work. And I've gone back and forth about when I do it. And I actually like to do my canning at night because everything's kind of done in the house and I can kind of focus on that. You know, my son's chilling or going to bed even. And like, that's kind of like my time to kind of go in there and I'm not really focusing on TV or anything. I'm just listening to some music or the backyard gardens podcast. Um, yeah, I sit in my house and listen to myself. Not, I hate the sound of my voice, but um, I'll do stuff like that and it'll help me focus and just kind of stay on track because it's a lot like, you know, I was talking to my wife last night and I equated it cooking like, an, you know, an eight course meal, you know, you, you just got to be focused on like all these different steps going on. And like last night I was dehydrating and canning at the same time. So I was kind of had a couple different things going on and it, it, it worked out. I'm pretty sure I think that the tomatoes just finished dehydrating. I got to go check them after we're done. But um, that was my goal. Um, so just so you guys know, and so you know, Batavia, you know how I'm growing that dwarf geranium kiss tomato this year? And it's supposed to be mm-hmm. a small plant with a full-size tomato. Well, that's not the case. It's a small plant with, I'd say, a large cherry tomato. And so I can't eat that many tomatoes like that so we decided that we were going to have to force ourselves to incorporate dried tomatoes into our diet to see how this works out for us so that's what we're doing now is just kind of we're going to take all of our cherry sized tomatoes and dry them this year and see if we can figure out recipes and stuff to cook with it i am i have a uh, i have a dehydrator someone a a listener of the show recommended one some years back you remember like in year three i opened it anywho i've i've been using i used it excuse me quite a bit last year um but some years before that before the dehydrated that i have now in another unit i dehydrated cherry tomatoes i'm pretty sure i cut them in half and then dehydrated them and then added them to a mason jar with some olive oil some mm-hmm. good olive oil um and I kept them in the refrigerator just because I get nervous about leaving things on the counter. My kitchen gets so hot. Um, and I mean, if you're not conscious about like, or concerned about the oil, that's a pretty good way. I don't, I mean, I probably wouldn't do more than a couple batches of that to your point, like cherry tomatoes can put on a lot, a lot, a lot of fruit, but for the dehydrating bit, um, I also have one of those vacuum sealers. Yeah. And I think I told you I'd done mushrooms, which I didn't grow, but done mushrooms and then um, made mushroom powder and dehydrated. And it seems to have keep like it's it absolutely works. It's sealed. You know, it's kept. Um, so that same thing could happen. I mean, there's a whole like community when it comes to dehydrating, too. Um, so. So, yeah, I mean, I think that um, I may try I may join you and try some dehydrated tomatoes i just don't know because this is a balance too i just don't know how much i'd use them as much well as I that's love what tomatoes. we kind of came up with and so i went and i think it was like i found like a list of like 16 recipes on like food.com or something crazy like that mm-hmm. and um i sent it to my wife and i was like here save the save the website and we'll just work our way through this list and see you know i mean i, I don't want to waste the stuff but um, going on to sterilization of the jars and stuff. I mean, it's pretty simple. And this is where you have multiple steps. You need to boil your jars and your um, the lid, not the ring, but the lid for 10 minutes before you do it. So that will help sterilize it and everything like that. And some people will do it. I've read that you can do it in your dishwasher. If you do them by themselves on like the highest temperature setting, I've heard that will work. But we just kind of pre, uh, pre-wash them and then we just boil them in the boiling water. And then I'll turn around and use that boiling water in the pressure canner. So it's already heated up and ready to go for the, the canning process. So it kind of kills two birds with one stone. And if I have anything left over, 
then I'll take it out and I'll, I'll pour it on like a weed patch or something and just kind of kill those off. But that's how we complete our like sterilization process of everything before we go in. And like last night, what I was doing is because I had to blanch my tomatoes first, you boil them and then you put them in ice water and they crack. I would take the tools that I was using and dip them in that boiling water at the same time just to kind of help clean them off and keep them going and actually made the cleanup a lot easier when I was done. So that's something else you can use to your advantage, you know, just kind of utilizing all those different parts. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll run like I have an electric kettle and I'll run the kettle at the same time to get water boiling in case I need more hot water. So I don't slow that Mm -hmm. process down because, you know, once you add a cup of cold water to hot water, it's got to reheat it. So I just kind of I'll eliminate that. And then when I'm done, if I didn't, then I'll make like a cup of tea or something like that and be fancy. Yeah. So I say this, uh, Ben has been canning um, all things many more years than I have. Our process differs um, in that I don't boil my lids anymore. And that's based on some recommendations I've read um, through one of the popular lid manufacturers. Um, So I'm not saying his way is wrong um, and I'm not saying my way is right. I'm just you probably will come across a difference um, as you're looking up recipes and such. a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people still do exactly as Ben does. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. Um, yeah, that's a new development. I'm going to move it? on because I, I think you found that out last year. Yeah, like maybe the last yeah. two years or something. And so um, I don't think I've come across those and lids it's yet. It's definitely for newer yeah. lids versus the older Yeah, I haven't ones. come yeah. across those lids. What do they call them? New yeah. and improved. Um, so this is a thing I'm still working through. It's hard for me to spend time in the garden, like real work in the garden, and then also preserve that day. So Ben described kind of his workflow. There's no way I'm no good in the evenings. I've actually processed something in like a water bath canner like two times because I I lost track. Like I fell asleep as it was processing, like, you know, like double the amount of time. So I'm for everything. I'm the best in the morning. Um, more fresh and so um, for something like tomatoes or like fruit products you know like peppers and things of that nature if I pick them the day before or earlier it's fine I get up at the crack of dawn and I start my my canning Um, for other things that are maybe softer that kind of like you know if I'm preserving like collard greens my favorite um, I want to preserve like I want to freeze them Personally, I want to freeze them from that batch once they've I've cooked them and they've cooled down. I still haven't pr- uh, pressure canned greens yet, but it's on the list. Um, so that's something that I would probably do like closer to same day. Um, definitely same day cooking. I may pick the greens on a different day. I guess what I'm trying to say is like it's so you don't have to do all the things at the same time. Yeah. Right. You know, based on my pace, which is still a bit slower. You know, it's only been a handful of years I've been doing this. I'm a little bit, you know more cautious because of concerns for safety and so on. I'm rereading steps and all of that. So it takes me quite a long time. And man, listen, if, if it's five o'clock or six o'clock in the evening, I'm I'm basically I'm ready to, to wrap it up for the day. You know, so again, that's just for me and what works. I'm not as fresh. So I try to focus on doing those things first thing in the morning. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody yeah, has their own time to do stuff. And I you know, my process is not your process and it may not be somebody else's, but over the years I've kind of figured out more and more how I like to do it. Um, sometimes I'll do it in the middle of the day. Like if I don't have anything going on, like this week, for instance, it was, uh, it was crazy hot. It was like 96 degrees or something. So I'd made the decision that like the garden was on its own for the week. And, um, I just kind of, you know, I did a little bit of preserving and stuff like that during the middle of the day. But, uh, there, you know, there's all kinds of things that, you know, I'll do it on lunch hour yeah. too. It's a good point. Yep. Now, the one thing I will say that I'm, I want to get into and I encourage other people to, to do is, um, start trying to like can sauces and condiments. So like, so, like, um, salsas, jams, jellies, hot sauce, all that kind of stuff. I think that's something that we can add to, cause I mean, you know, you can get the stuff at the store, but sometimes you can get something that's like really your own desire. And I can think really mm-hmm. kind of push the boundaries on like this is, I mean, custom is all I can think of, you know, like you're, 
your personalized sauce that you've made and mastered over the years. You never know. You might get a full-fledged business out of it. I mean, who knows? So just doing stuff like that. I know I want to look into doing stuff like that with some hot peppers and different um, salsas and whatnot. I still want to get my salsa recipe down, which I have not done well in the past few years. So uh, last time I did, I think I processed it too much. And it, t- it was like had the consistency of baby food, which I was not impressed with at all. I haven't eaten that stuff in a long time. You know what I mean? I have a habanero, the hot one, habanero pepper plant. And I, uh, I've seen online a kind of carrot habanero hot sauce. That's too, I mean, that's too, I don't, that's too hot of a pepper, but I'm going to try it. I'm assuming the, uh, the plant will produce. There's no reason why it wouldn't. And so I'm going to try it. It's going to be hard because I'm not really going to be able to mm-hmm. taste much of it. You know, but I have a good, a couple of good friends that just crave that kind yeah. of hot stuff. And so I think it'll be a nice treat. That's also the balance of like, I made, <laughs> I made some pepper jelly. I watched Young Ben go through the recipe. I think the difference though is I think he was doing like pineapple or peach jelly or something. And I did straight jalapeno pepper jelly. Boy, is that thing sour. I still haven't figured out what to do with I'll all those I'll send jars, you a recipe for pepper jelly also, if you want it. Yeah, send me one. But it also points out the difference in like small. I wish I would have gone a smaller batch of Yeah, that. we do. When we do our pepper yeah. jelly, we put it in the small um, jars. And I mean, it's only got one use in our house. It's either mostly cornbread or biscuits. So, you know, that stuff well, lasts. Well, no, I, not, they were, they're in small jars. But I mean, like, I wish I would have done like three or four jars versus I think I have I did like right. eight jars. Right? Like, again, if it was really good, really, really good, it'd be perfect. You know? Because it's going to keep a good long time. But it's, you know... <laughs> yeah, I'll send you my recipe. <laughs> I'm kind of like hoping I come across someone that's like, oh, I love this. Yeah. And, and you but know, and there's something sister. to be said, because, you know, pepper jelly is something that's like a southern classic, but you can't buy it at the store. So, you know, we have it and we're good. And everybody I give it to, I'm like, y'all want some pepper jelly? And they're all, a lot of people around me aren't from here. And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, look, make you a batch of cornbread. Here's a jar. Let me know what you think. Like, hey, it's the best thing ever. Who would have thought? I'm like, I told you. It's like, it's amazing. And the thing is, is you can adjust that based on the way you make it to how hot you want it. So you don't have to have something mm-hmm. crazy hot. You can have just a little bit of heat. You can change up the peppers. You can do a lot of things with it, which I think makes mm-hmm. it really cool. Um, yeah. So in... For time purposes, let's talk about storing these things. Um, store them in your cabinets. Once you've canned them or preserved them, store them somewhere where it's out of the sunlight. And usually there's not like an air vent inside of your like cupboard or something like that. So it'll be cooler. Um, it'll help last. And you won't get that color, dis- um, that discoloration, thank you, discoloration that'll come along with it. So... Um, do that and make sure that you do not reuse the tops to the cans. Every time I talk about canning and there's people that are there that can ask questions, they say, can I reuse the tops? No, you cannot. You can reuse the rings, but you cannot reuse the top to the can. That's it. Once you're done with the vegetable, after you open the can, you throw it in the trash. You cannot reuse it. You cannot sterilize it and reuse it. You cannot do anything with it. As far as canning goes afterwards, make some wind chimes out of it. Throw them as ninja stars at something. I don't care, but do not put them back on your cans. I'm telling you, it's not going to work. How's that? There's some company that has come up with some like reusable ring kind of thing. I have no experience with it, but like any of the jars you're going to get in the the lids, you're going to get in the stores nowadays what he said don't do it that seal that you're you know through during the canning process that act of sealing like that's a one-time thing and then once you break that seal once you open that jar that thing it's kind of like a hut trying to retape yeah. something it, it may look like it holds no. but nope no and i mean you have to pry it off so you're kind of bending it a little bit and all that stuff but um mm-hmm. one tip that i'll give everybody too is when you go to the store and you're going to, you know, you're looking in the canning section at the grocery store. Have you ever seen those white plastic lids that go on to the cans? Get those. Mm-hmm. 
they are so useful because when we're, our jars are empty, we can continue to use them for something else. And those are reusable. I mean, not for canning, but just in general, those work out really good. So um, that's some, that's a huge thing. I love those. I use those almost exclusively now for the things that I freeze because I freeze stuff in mason jars. Um, and for those jars, now the recommendation is if something has the curve shoulder, the jar, it's not recommended for freezing. If, you know, the white mouth ones typically now have the straight, the jar is just straight up and down. I still have some stuff that I have that was frozen in the round jars. Like the idea is that it could create, it could shatter, you know, because it doesn't have, as it expands, it doesn't have the proper room, yada, yada, yada. Again, you could Google any of this, but I love those white plastic tops for putting on top of a mason jar and then putting that jar in the freezer versus using um, a lid and a um, a ring if i were to use a lid i'd use an old lid i wouldn't you know again it's going in the freezer it's not been preserved through hot water bath canning or pressure canning it's not a Um, sterile environment there's also this bit of like it's not a sterile mm -hmm. environment my no, I'm saying inside sterile, that can. It's not like you haven't created a yeah. sterile environment because you're not worried about yeah. stuff coming in because the freezing process will kill whatever could grow. Yep. Okay. So that being said, I do need to tell you guys about our wonderful sponsor for the show, the Planter app. So the Planter app is an awesome app. It tells you it, it allows you to design your gardens. You can do multiple gardens. Square foot gardening is a plus for it. It's got companion and combative planning, a simple drag and drop interface, 80 plus plants and thousands of varieties to choose from with all the info you need to grow those veggies, some flowers, herbs, from transplant to harvest, when to start seeds, the ability to create custom plants and varieties. There's a growing guide with in-depth articles in it. And then also... There is a new feature added that is called the Garden Summary, which I have not checked out yet, but I need to go check it out. Uh, It's available on Android and Apple both. And it's something that is in my garden is invaluable. I take it every year and I compare my last year's garden to this year's. I have multiple profiles made. I break them down by bed, by section. It doesn't matter. And uh, you just keep using it and follow that. It helps me to know, plan my companion, which I don't necessarily follow, but I definitely follow the combative planning portion of it. And also it helps me with my crop rotations. So that is the planter app. And you can check that out on the Apple or Android store. And it's spelled P-L-A-N-T-E-R. And there is a link in the description to help get you a discount on the planter app. Ding dong. Okay. So we have a question of the day. And the question, it comes off of our Facebook group, which is the Backyard Gardens Community Garden. Set it right because it's in my hand. Ha ha. All right. So this one is, um, it's directed for a specific region. But one of the benefits of the show is we are in two different regions. So we can give our own purpose of what how we do this. So Ellis writes, okay, friends in the Mid-South, I still haven't cracked the onion code. This year I did intermediate day, winter sowed, and planted out the first week of March. They're only getting about half size. I'm in zone 7A. Anyone ever have better luck planting out fall onions at the same time as garlic? If so, did you do short day or neutral day? So onions are, that's what makes onions tough. The getting the right variety. Um, yeah. The right type? type, I guess is the correct word, right? You have short day, intermediate day. Um, I guess there's day neutral, which I haven't heard of. And then you have long, day. long day. So, um, first of all, there's a map that I will post into the backyard gardens group and I'll put it, um, if I can figure out how to do it, I'll put it on their feet featured section so people can see. Um, and that'll help give you a guide based on where you live. 
Um, and Batavia and I were actually talking about this yesterday because we were looking at our growing recommendations from our extension services for onions, and we are totally different. <laughs> do you have yours? Do yeah. you remember or do you have yours pulled up? Oh, it's I'm trying to make a, a racket with this uh, <laughs> this cup. Um, no, I, I can yeah. pull it up here. So for quickly. me, um, my onion planting season technically starts in August and it continues all the way until March and then it stops. But I plant my garlic and I'm in zone eight a, I plant my garlic around October or November. And I actually don't plant my onions roughly until this year. I did it in January, late January. And I had really good growth or mid January, excuse me. I had really good growth, but I planted everything backwards. So my onion harvest wasn't what I wanted it to be. But if I had planted my onions in front of my garlic instead of behind, it would have been a totally different story. So that worked out really good for me. But Batavia's got a whole different scenario. And I grow short day onions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the um, dates for me are April 9th through May 15th. And that is basically a set going in, which I assume the, um, what, what do they call it when you're actually like the transplant onions, which are different than the little bitty bulb onions. So the onion plant is what I want to grow right. from now on. The set is what I've grown in previous years and it produces such a small onion, right? Cause it's basically on the second year, right? Um, the, Directions in my extension service notes set, but I think there's probably some room for that being the actual onion plant itself where the green is already, you know, connected and already grown. But April 9th through May 15th yesterday, I was shocked that it was much later than like everything else I've seen on the interweb. You know, um, and so this actually pretty much lines up with what I did. I stumbled right. into Um my onion plants didn't go in t until like, I think it's either the 15th or the 5th of May or something. So it did bring me some relief when it comes to that. And I'm growing long day onions. Although, and I bought those from the store because I killed like the first two rounds of my onions. I started from seed indoor earlier this year. <laughs> um, yeah, they were dead, dead. Um, but they also were selling short day onions in the stores, big box store, Home Depot. And so I'm like, I don't know. This is like not a thing you're supposed to be doing no, in Illinois. No, I mean, I'm looking at the onion planting map now in um, Illinois. Definitely is nowhere even close to short day. So. Um, Which also goes with it. It's all about the amount of uh, daylight hours. Yeah, have, it's right? all based on the amount of daylight. And so um, Ellis, since you're listening, I know you are. Uh, you need to be growing intermediate day onions because I do know what state you're in, but I kept it quiet for privacy purposes. Um, you know, but there's a clear line and there's actually like the maps, the map that I'm going to put up there is like a hard, fast line for each one. But you can find other maps where like the edges of them are kind of blurred a little bit because there's a little bit of bleed through. But um, yeah, it's, you know, once you get into planting the onions it's i don't ever recommend anybody buying the little bulbs and planting them because it's like you said they're second year onions they're more than likely going to bolt and then you're just mm -hmm. you, you know you're stuck with nothing um i will say this onion seeds even though batavia killed them um they're they're easy to grow and they don't take a lot of space so um and the benefit of them as well is when you're growing your onion seeds while they're still seed seedlings in like your you know your um grow shelf or grow area or whatever you can continue to trim those tops so they don't ever outgrow those that, that actual space so they can stay in there for a really long time so we continue to trim them i call them give them haircuts give them haircuts until it's time to put them out and then you don't really do anything else but just feed them and water them so they can stay on your grow shelf. I think I had some on mine for almost three months. 
and they did fine. And even because of the winter here, I could I set them outside and they continued to grow outside. And, you know, I would continue to give them haircuts for another couple of weeks outside afterwards. So um, I think a guy came and bought some onion starts from me in January and he just texted me that he got big, you know, softball size onions off of them. So it worked out pretty good. My onions right now, which are probably going on two months old, two months since they planted, I transplanted the plants in, are bigger than I've ever gotten onions from sets there you already. Go. They're yeah. not done growing. You know? There you go. Um, and and I think you're absolutely right. I'm disappointed in myself about how big of a deal I made onions. Like until I killed them, they were super yeah. duper easy. <laughs> There's a, a dark period in the late winter where you know everything that was sitting under my lights died that's the reason why some of the things i'm behind in some places in the garden um and unfortunately because the onion seeds are really only viable for the one year it's kind of like well you know so i did i sprinkled onion seeds which i probably still will do like in various places just to be able to eat them as green onions because i knew i was so so late um but I'm excited about onions yeah, next year. I'm actually, I'm really excited for them too, especially now that I know to plant my garlic behind them. That might help a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I pulled up my onions, everything that was on the back row was fine. Everything that was right behind the garlic was just like minuscule because it just didn't get any sun. So that was an easy fix. But um, just play around with that. And I would say, you know, after you plant your garlic is generally when you should be doing it and check with your extension services and stuff like that. Um, cause onions can take a cold. They, they're pretty tough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the thing is too, is you can get like, um, like a cup and you can plant 50 onions in a small cup and then you can sit cause the roots are tough as nails and you can like hand separate them. So you don't even need a really big space for onions. I'll take my tray and I sell, um, I think it's 172 cells in it. And I'll put four or five in each cell. And then I just take them. And when I sell them to people, there's a whole lot of the word sell going on. When I sell them to people, I sell them by the plug. And I'm like, look, each one is five onions. So, you know, you can do the math there and take them apart as you need to. So you can really pack them into the garden as well. There, um, they would have, I probably would have. My onions probably would have uh, survived if I would have planted multis per, per container because I had them in individual six packs. And you know how those things mm-hmm. dry out. You know, that's what ended up happening. Um, so, so yeah, there's also, um, and, and if you're interested in it, look it up online. There's some winter varieties that I should say they are used for overwintering. Even in like, I follow a lady that's in Ohio and she has overwintered onions. I don't know that I really have that in me yet. You know, like, I think I want to, you know, kind of conquer the most optimal conditions, um, especially given that, again, those seeds are only going to last that one year. So, but just wanted to toss that yeah, in. Yeah. And I've, and go ahead. El- no, um, it's a wrap oh, and I was going to say, and um, based on the picture I saw, it looks like they were harvested a little bit early, but um, you, you don't want to harvest your onions until the tops literally fall over. And you got to, while before they start bulbing, you got to feed them and feed them and feed them. And that's like the heaviest feeder you can possibly get in the garden. You've got to continuously feed those plants so that they can get enough growth to make that big bulb. Because I'm sure you're seeing with your onions, like it doesn't take any amount of time for them to bulb up. That's a lot of energy that it's got to take to do it. So, yeah, yeah. Push it down there. How often were you feeding yours and with what? So I put pre-print. Um, ooh, that came out weird. Pre-plant fertilizer down. So I used um, biotone, which is a higher nitrogen. And then I also put in blood meal in the trench that I dug in the furrow. So I put that down, which is pure nitrogen. And then about two to three weeks later, once it started to warm up a little bit, or we got a warm spell. I came back and I put more blood meal in. And then about two weeks after that, I started um, injecting fertilizer, which based fish fertilizer into my um, drip lines and feeding them that way. And I was feeding them probably once every two weeks or so. And I did fall off because I got a little bit confused um, with this new irrigation, like, 
feeding different things. So I did fall off a little bit and that is what contributed to my smaller onions this year. But um, next year I know now how to control all of that. And so I can handle it a little bit better. There you go. But if you'd like to be like Miss Ellis and send us a question, you can do it on the Backyard Gardens Community Garden on Facebook. It is completely free for you to join. Or you can become a patron. You can be an Apple subscriber. Or you could just leave one on Spotify and we will answer it. There should be a question once you scroll down the episode that says leave a question and we'll answer it. There you go. Directions are pretty simple. And with that being said... I think we have learned to grow and grow for change. See ya. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.